The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. T's and C's apply. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometers of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. In my head, I play a supercut of us. Kia ora and welcome to Lord Behind the Melodrama, a track-by-track podcast brought to you by The Spin-Off and Spark about Lord's new album, Melodrama. I'm your host, Henry Oliver, the music editor at The Spin-Off, and over two afternoons in May, I sat in a boardroom in Auckland and talked to Lord about the lyrics, songwriting and production of her new album, hearing the stories and influences behind every song. In this episode, we talk about Supercut. I think when people heard Greenlight for the first time, they thought, oh, I know what this record is going to sound like. Um, and then obviously liability came out and people were like, huh, maybe the parameters are different to what we thought. And um, this song is sort of the closest to green light that I sort of go to on the record. This is like the, the, the next closest thing. They definitely feel kind of like sibling songs. And weirdly, this song is like kind of a bit of a sister song to um, a song on Pure Heroine, Ribs, which was like a song that, fans really kind of held in their hearts. It was one they all, like, loved to hear live, and which was amazing. Um, and this song kind of emotionally, I think, almost, like, kind of picks up where that left off. Not so much story-wise, but it feels... They feel like there's a kinship there, and I kind of knew that when we started writing it, and I sent it to Joel um, because I was like, you have to beyond this, you know, it has to, has to be you and me. Um, and he did some work on it and crushed it. Um, it was so awesome. He, um, he brought some great stuff to it that we hadn't thought of at all and um, it felt so right having him kind of involved. We can talk it so good We can make it so divine We can talk it good How you wish it would be all the time I was in New Zealand, actually, just before I left to come to America for three and a half months or whatever, and I was at a party, everyone was dancing, it was awesome, and all of a sudden I was like, I have to go, I need to, I can't be here, and it was just like, it was just like crushing my chest, and I didn't really understand why, um, and I left the party, I sort of like barreled myself out of this party and got into an Uber and I was driving along Ponsonby Road in this Uber, weirdly listening to Graceland because Graceland is sort of like my secret talisman. Like it, it's like a special protective thing for me. Like I, it helps me like figure out a lot of stuff and I find it very sort of like 
calming and centering. So I was like listening to Grace, which is real funny to listen to like after a party, like one in the morning. And I was like going along Pottsby Road and it's like, you know, there was all this like bars and stuff that people go to and you know like weird Pontsby like long room and shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like I could hear all the sort of like crazy like beats coming out of those respective places and then sort of like leaking out into the street and I was like driving just feeling this like very intense feeling and I got home and I sort of like sung a bit of stuff in the bathroom and my phone and then when I got to America I was like this is we got to do this and we wrote it and it came together quite quickly but also with the song we were producing it I was like I told everyone about driving down Ponsonby Road and how I wanted it to feel like you know it does sometimes feel like you're through the wall from a party um and I wanted and and every so often things to sort of like come at you from different sides and I liked feeling of this party sort of like leaking over the road at me you know and it really felt like with this song and, and the other song that was the last one that we wrote which is Rider in the Dark, um, it felt like they were the last two where I, and after I wrote those, I was like, oh, I've, I've said everything, you know, that I that I need to say on this on this record. Um, it was kind of nice to close the loop, but I, so I was in New York and I was so jet lagged, it was so cold, and I would, like, finish work at, like, midnight and it would feel like 5 p.m. And I was like, well, I've got to go entertain myself. So I would go down to the Spotted Pig, which is, like, a restaurant in the West Village, it's open till 2 I would go down there and eat like a soup or something and it's a really beautiful area. It's like um, amazing, kind of like really leafy kind of mm. streets and beautiful like brownstones. And um, and I was just like kind of walking like basically in a square, like a small square along these streets, listening to, to the song and just felt so like, I felt the way I used to feel when I made music when I was a kid and it felt like so... Like, I could cry because of how, um, you know, it's just such relief to to get out how you're feeling for the first time. Like, when I was a kid, I remember just being like, oh, my God, I just it was such a gratitude for the process. You know, it was like, oh, my outlet. <laughs> in your car, the radio up, in your car, the radio up. We keep trying to talk about us. Slow motion, I'm watching our love. I'll be your quiet afternoon crush. Be your violent overnight rush. Has that been part of your process to like record and then immediately walk around with it in your Yes. Head? Yeah, no, it was a big part of the process to either be like moving in a car or moving on foot. And I basically can't hear a song until I do that. Um, it was a huge part of it. It was nice to be in a different city and not have like all of these like attributed meanings to all of the like streets I was walking down. It was just like this big grid and I would just like attack the grid and and <laughs> figure out what these songs meant. <laughs> I'm kind of interested in this way that you go from current feeling to like reflective back and forth and mm. there's a kind of um, two temporal aspects to it or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which kind of relates in a way to this idea of you like coming to New Zealand and like living this life. <laughs> well, they sound like you can hear where the memories get inserted. Yes. In the work. Yeah. It's like it's like, hold on, we're just going to the past for a second and then we'll snap back to the future. Yeah. That's very much the thing with this record because it was, you know, I would do something and then write about it three months later. Like I feel like you can feel the sort of 
bouquet of memories that I've been carrying around for the last couple of months, you know? Yeah. And that was a very mm. like deliberate choice, right? To, to, to structure it that way. Yeah. I think it's, um, I mean, the, the last record was so much in the moment. Um, and I like that. I mean, I did write this record fairly retrospectively. Um, but I like, I like, I feel like it is a nice, kind of narrative shift to get and also it's a bit um more developed it's more developed songwriting you know to um to like transport people yeah one in one line you're in the past and then you snap back to the future i i enjoy um it's like a what's that thing in harry potter they all touch and then they move to a different place port key it's like a port key it's uh yeah i don't know i uh I guess it, it, for the first time I was writing, um, I wasn't just, I feel like the first record, a lot of the writing was very much like, this thing happened to me yesterday and I'm going <laughs> to recount it and this is how I feel about it at this moment. Whereas like part of the, um, one of the things I think is just to do with like getting older and assessing situations differently is like, Sometimes you do need a couple months to sort of sit on it and figure out what it was. And sometimes the right way of telling a story doesn't present itself until later. And I feel like with this, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I know what I need to say to someone. And this is one of the only songs on the record where I'm actually speaking to someone because I frequently it's not about like the subject of a song hearing it. I'm not in communication with, with subjects often. Um, and often I wish they could, they would never hear it. That would make my life <laughs> much smoother. But, um, this no one, one felt like, like, like <laughs> an 11th hour kind of, there's just something that I want to say, you know? So you mentioned that, you know, there's production elements that come from you, mm. from Jack. Did you, you know, when we, when you listen to that now, you know, do you hear where things come from and, or, and, or does it all kind of just. I think I... Meld. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a combination. I think, like, when you start... And Joel, too, sorry. And Joel, yeah. yeah. I think when you start having... Getting mixes done, that is the moment where you're first able to sort of step back from the song and be able to listen to it in a bit more of a, like, consumer way, which is nice. Um, but I definitely still, like, if I put that hat on, I hear every single different thing. And because I have this insane memory, like, I remember where every single part came from and the exact conversations that we would have around like every sound yeah. and like the piano that we did that bit on or, you know, me coming up with that vocal melody and exactly how we said it in there. Like it's all very um, present for me. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting song, such a kind of interesting journey because it is like a bit of a journey of a song and with those songs you really have to be so mindful of the build and how it kind of progresses and all this stuff. And I think I really like the way we did it with that song. I like we we pulled in like a beautiful beat that we had used on like 10 other demos before and kind of never had the right home for. And we were like, oh, no, it's it's here in the second chorus, you know, or um, just like me being like, oh, there has to be this explosion of harmonies right at the end. Um and they feel so good you want them like 10 more times, but you just get one go-round of these like amazing harmonies. So stuff like that was uh, was fun to, to build it in that way. 
and you've got these two um, elements of this predominantly very kind of like intimate and layered vocal sound, but then you cut to the, this kind of room sound because mm. um, those are quite distinct, mm. you know, and, and this was a sort of song that seems like that, that comes through mm. as a really deliberate kind of choice. Yeah, I mean, I think that has to do with what we were talking about before about um, the present and the past. Um, you know, it, specifically in the pre, it all of a sudden it snaps central and it's very dry and this like every that was like a real choice that we made all those vocals to just go super dry after being kind of beautiful and have this gorgeous chain in the verse to just be like nah gone and I feel like that is the abruptness of that is that it's that transportation it's like we're going here for a second and you don't all of a sudden you're in the car and like <laughs> I like um how about that is, and then there's that moment in the middle, which is like full room sound, where I kind of scream at the end. When you call, I'll forgive and not fight. All the moments I play in the dark, I'll fluoresce and come home to my Um, And that was cool. We were in, we were at Jungle City in New York, this weird hip hop studio, and we had this like shitty room with um, the Louis Vuitton symbol on the, patterned on the, um, on the acoustic treatmenting, which was quite chic. Nice. Um, <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> yes, definitely, without a doubt. Um, and we had this, like, terrible mic, and I hated the chain there. Um, but all of a sudden I was just like, with a song like this, it does exist in such a chemical world, which I do love about dance music, you know, but I was like... It just needs to come off the rails for a second and all of a sudden to have this very human moment. Um, And so we put, I mean, the mic was in the corner and I stood up and went like three metres away from it and stood in the other side of the the room and um, didn't rehearse it at all um, and just like sang the shit out of it and did it like two or three times and that was it. And they were so... um, that I feel like that's the moment in the song where you really feel that one person is talking to another person. Like, it sounds like it could be an answering machine, you know, or a voice note or something. Um, yeah, and I, I I, think that's, like, one of my, my favourite bits in the song. Um, and the piano is still very present. Mm, and so yeah. you've, you've talked before about, like, building kind of often from the piano kind mm, of up. Mm. So what... What's the process there? You've got a kind of skeleton frame with the piano and then you decide where it stays or where it goes or, like, does does it just get drowned out? mm, (laughs) No, that one actually, um, we sort of built it kind of from the drums up, piano and drums, that little kind of, you know, it's, like, super low pass, that piano. It's definitely not, like, full green light, like, bright, shiny piano um it's like that ghostly kind of through the wall thing um and that one was there from the start and I think we took it out and then I was like it's got to go back it feels so right um but yeah no that one um yeah I guess just kind of had piano from the start but we didn't like sit around the piano writing it um we kind of just filled in the blanks afterward but um yeah for the most part they were very much written at the piano (laughs) 
This podcast is produced for the spin-off by Jana Winter and Henry Oliver, recorded and edited by Jana, with additional recording by Jose Barbosa. Like all of the spin-off's music content, Lord, Behind the Melodrama, is brought to you by Spark. Listen to all the music you love, including melodrama, on Spotify Premium, free with all of Spark's pay-monthly mobile plans. Find more spin-off podcasts on iTunes or wherever else you get these things. For more from the spin-off, go to thespinoff.co.nz. Jeez, they're really like uh, putting the bins out right now. Right? It's all happening. <laughs> Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spinoff. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spinoff member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.